Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today, our scripture is coming from Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. They asked him, him being Jesus, John's disciples are well known for keeping fast and saying prayer, also the Pharisees, but you seem to spend most of your time at parties. Why? Jesus said, when you're celebrating a wedding, you don't skimp on the cake and wine, you feast. Later, you may need to pull in your belt, but this isn't the time. As long as the bride and the groom are with you, you have a good time. When the groom is gone, the fasting can begin. No one throws cold water on a friendly bonfire. This is kingdom come. No one cuts up a fine silk scarf to patch old work clothes. You want fabrics that match, and you don't put wine in old cracked bottles. You get strong, clean bottles for your fresh, vintage wine. And no one who has ever tasted fine-aged wine prefers unaged wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. I had an experience a few months ago. Maybe you have had a similar experience. My belt got smaller. Has that happened to anybody else or is it just me that you just try to put it on and you realize this thing has gotten smaller and my pants and my shirts as well um, had, had found magically just not fit the way that they used to. Um, so this has happened to me multiple times in my life and what has worked for me whenever my uh, clothes aren't fitting the right way is one of the things that I can do is log my food. I use an app called Lose It. And uh, what it does is that everything that I um, eat, I put into the system. So whatever I have for breakfast, I just put it in. It's really, really pretty simple. It's really easy. They give me a calorie budget a day and then also for the month. I, um, uh, it's not always the most fun thing to do. And it really makes you think twice, which is why it's good, about like, oh, I'll just have this Reese's and this Snickers and all this stuff when you have to log it and you see, is this really worth it? Sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. But one of the things that I like the way that this is set up is that it gives you an opportunity to sort of save your calories for future days. And so I knew like last week, Um, on Sunday, we were going to be celebrating my dad's birthday. We were going to gather together for a birthday party. We were going to have barbecue. Heather was making hash brown casserole. There was going to be cake and ice cream. I knew that there was going to be a feast. And so in order to be ready for the feast, I spent a couple of days saving up my calories so that I could feast without guilt in that time, that I could just enjoy and celebrate. Um, and, and so kids in box one, I invite you to, to draw a picture of a, a birthday party and what it looks like and the celebration that occurs there. You see, using this rhythm and using this app has reminded me that there is a time to fast and there is a time to feast. There is a time to refrain from something, but there also is a time to enjoy and just relax 
and do and be. And this is part of the rhythm of life, that there are times in which we do less so that other times we can do more. The past few weeks, we have spent talking about weeping and mourning and moving into joy. And there's a time to weep and there is a time to celebrate. This is part of the rhythm of life. And one of the things that I think sometimes we miss as Christians is this ability and this gift of feasting because it was something that Jesus was most known for is partying and celebrating. Now, I read today from the message translation, and when you hear it read in that way, it's a little strange, right? When you heard these words, John's disciples are well known for keeping fast and saying prayers, also the Pharisees. But you, Jesus, seem to spend most of your time at parties. Why? And so it begs the question for me, why was Jesus considered a party animal? Why was it that that was his identity and that people recognized and knew who he was? And what does that mean for us today? You know, and so I began to ask myself, why was it that Jesus, that there just seems to be parties that broke out everywhere that Jesus went? My family um, and I were watching a television show called The Chosen, all right? Um, just so you all know, sometimes I watch really holy stuff like The Chosen, and then also Heather and I are watching Yellowstone, which is not holy at all, all right? So like, there's some like, whoo, all right, it's like, how do I want to feel? I told, I told Heather, I said, when we watch Yellowstone, it's just bad thing after terrible thing. When I watch The Chosen, it's like good news breaking out all over the place, right? And so in this show, The Chosen, it's about Jesus's disciples and, and how he chooses them and, and, and interacts with their life. I highly recommend it. Um, I would encourage you to read it. And so last night, we as a family, we were watching this episode where Simon Peter, who was one of Jesus's disciples, was called to follow him. And so Simon was a fisherman, and he, in the show, he had this great debt that he needed to pay. And so he went out fishing and he fished all night with the slim hope that maybe he could catch enough to pay off his debt before he was imprisoned. But this professional fisherman spent all night catching nothing. And so in the morning, Jesus was there and he was teaching and he asked if he could come and teach on Simon's boat, Simon Peter's boat. So he invited him to and he, he said some words, he taught, and then he invited Jesus, then he invited Simon Peter to go out and to cast his nets again. Now, Simon, who was a professional fisherman, who knew what it was like to fish, who, who, who realized that he hadn't caught a thing all night, and that sometimes the fish just aren't biting. And, but Jesus said, why don't you try it? And there was this, this like glimmer in Jesus' eye. And so sure enough, uh, he, he casts the nets out into the boat with his brother Andrew, and, and all of a sudden the boat tilted um, because of the weight of all of the fish that were coming into the net. And so they had some friends, James and John, and they, they came running from the shore to help them out as they tried to pull this net full of fish overflowing and get it into the boat. And what happened was, as they were doing that, just the laughs that happened the celebration that happened, that the boat that was once empty was now overflowing with the greatest catch of fish they had ever seen. And it hit me, how could you not party when Jesus was around? Because amazing things just 
happened to people. Everywhere that Jesus went, a party broke out because everywhere that Jesus went, a miracle happened. We hear these words in Scripture, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. All Galilee, every disease and every affliction. Kids in box two, I invite you to draw a celebration of someone who was being healed by Jesus. Can you imagine what it was like when somebody was healed by Jesus? I think about how good it feels when somebody is, gets well, right? I think about as a parent when, when your kid has been sick for a while and then they wake up one morning and they've got that energy back. You kind of missed it, all right, when they were just laying on the couch and being quiet and still, but you're so glad to see them with that energy level back when they've been healed. Or when you get that phone call that a family member is being released from the hospital and that they're doing well, what a joy that is. Or maybe some of you have rung one of those bells at that cancer treatment center. Or you hear that bell being rang and the celebration that healing has happened. What a joy it is. So we can only begin to imagine the parties and the celebrations that broke out everywhere that Jesus went. When somebody who was paralyzed for years, who hadn't been able to walk, all of a sudden walked into their family's house. They would kill the fattened calf, right? We're going to celebrate. Or somebody who has been a leper for years, living on the outskirts of town, hasn't been able to get close to their family, hasn't been able to get close to anybody. Their skin full of all sorts of stuff walks into their family's home after years of separation, completely healed. How can there not be a party that is thrown? Everywhere that Jesus went, healing broke out. Miracles happened. The oppressed were set free. The demons were cast out. Joy happened where Jesus was. Of course, he would be known for celebrations because celebrations happened where he was. And so to follow Jesus means that we believe that breakthroughs are going to happen. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. That God can do something far beyond our expectations. I mean, I do believe that, that people can receive healing miraculously on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, uh, on Wednesday night, we're going to have a time in which our church is going to be open from four to eight for prayer. We'd love it if you would just come. That maybe God is going to give you an insight that you need and wisdom to help you through a situation. Maybe God wants to bring you physical healing. Maybe he wants to bring you freedom and release of a relationship. I don't know what God wants to do, but I believe that whenever we put ourselves before Jesus, miracles happen. And great things break out. But yet, if Jesus is such a party animal, it's made me ask this next question, which is, why are his followers so down? Why aren't we known as celebrating and being people who are joyous 
everywhere we go. Why aren't we known for our joy? Why is that not what is contagious? I think there's probably a couple reasons. One is that it's easy for us to be focused on the fast and not on the feast. Is we can obviously focus on the things that we aren't able to do as Christians, things that are not good for us. They may be fun for the world, but we say, oh, I'm not supposed to do that or do that or do that. And we, we focus on the fast instead of the joy of Jesus. We focus on all the things that we can't do, all right? Or on the things that we choose to do that look weird in the world, all right? Because for us as Christians, one of the things that's important is for us to give generously. And so sometimes we can say, well, I got to save this money so I can give to the church instead of saying God loves a cheerful giver. And we focus on the negative instead of the positive that we get to make a difference in this world. But I also think that it's so easy for us to focus on the fleshly world instead of the word made flesh. It's so easy for us to look around and boy, if we want to see problems, it's easy to see them. And there is something about us humans that are attracted to drama. It's the reason we watch some of these depressing shows. There's something that we do that sucks us in to the negativity of the world. Our news channels are based on fear to get us to pay attention. And we spend so much time looking at our phones, our social media, all these other things, and it takes our joy away. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pay attention to what's happening in the world. I think we should. I think it's important. But we shouldn't give it our best attention. We should be aware of what's happening in the world, but that should not drive us. What should drive us is Jesus. And that's what I should give my attention to. Every Sunday morning, while I am preaching to the early service, a terrible thing happens every Sunday morning. My Apple devices tell me how much time I've spent looking at them this week. If you have an iPhone, it happens on my iPad too. It tells you, you have spent blank number of hours and minutes on your phone this week. A blank percent increase or decrease from last week. And so this week, I can proudly report I was down 18% from last week which just tells you that I was probably really high last week, right? It tells me right there, Aaron, you're paying too much attention here and not enough attention here or here. I'm listening to a podcast called The 10,000-Minute Experiment. And what it, the 10,000-minute experiment comes from the idea that we have 10,080 minutes in a week. And, and the guy who's hosting the podcast, he says, we spend, the average Christian would spend about 80 minutes of those weeks in worship. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's obviously not a Methodist, all right? Because us Methodists, we're like 60, maybe 70. It's not football season yet. So Aaron, we might give you 75, but certainly not 80, okay? We spend about 80 minutes. So what do we do with the other 10,000 minutes? What gets our attention? Where do we look? What do we pay attention to? And in this first week, they invited us to a simple practice and simply to breathe in Jesus and breathe out, you have my attention. Jesus, you have my attention. Jesus, you have my attention. Because it's so easy to walk out these doors and give our attention to all these things that bring us down instead of the things that gives us life. 
which is Jesus. Jesus is the life giver. And we as Christians should be people who are known for the life that we share and the joy that we have because walking with Jesus is witnessing miracles. It's seeing God at work. It's realizing that God has shown us the way to live. Even today, he can speak to us. He shows us his gift. One of the things we do um, every night at dinner when we sit down and have dinner together as a family is we say three things we're thankful for. Where have we seen God? Because we've got to be looking for it sometimes. Every once in a while, God will just show up, but often he's just around the corner you need to look for to remind us that he is there. And so we are called to party with Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life of the party. This world, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world And so we are called to pay attention to Jesus, and we are called to celebrate, and we are called to celebrate together and to worship together. In our psalms, we have a mix of psalms of lament, but we also have songs of joy and celebration. And and I came across Psalm 126 because it was full of joy, and it was just such a reminder of what happens when we see God move and the goodness of God. And it says these words, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, God's chosen people, the Israelites, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Have you ever been there where you just can't help but smile, you just can't help but laugh, you just can't help but sing the goodness of God? Then it was said among the nations, other people are noticing, right, that the Lord has done great things for them. And the psalmist writes, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. You see, joy is something that comes from the inside and flows out. We don't get joy because of what happened. We get joy because of who God is and what he does in and through us. And so it says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. We weep and we rejoice. God takes our sorrows and moves it into joy. This is who God is. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. We will rejoice, and we will celebrate, and we will do it together. There is something that is so special about celebrating together with a group of people, right? Like, I mean, in a few weeks, Mustang is going to beat UConn again, and there's going to be a big celebration, right, in the crowd in the stadium, Right? This is what we do. We celebrate with people we know, even with people we don't. And so kids in box three, I invite you to draw a picture of a crowd celebrating together. I remember when I was 12 years old, our family took a family vacation out to San Francisco. I'm a big 49ers fan. And so I got to go to um, like heaven on earth, which was a preseason game. Now, preseason games mean nothing. All right. They're absolutely meaningless. All right. Um, We like them because they're football that we haven't got to watch in a while. All right. But when I was 12 and I got to go to a 49ers preseason game, it was the, one of the best days of my life, all right? So I go to this game, and uh, true story, you can watch the game on YouTube if you have three hours and 50 minutes to, sh- uh, to uh, spare today. And um, the 49ers were down 13 to 7 in the fourth quarter. They drive down, all right, and with no time left on the clock, they complete a pass 
to tie the game 13 to 13 end of regulation. And so me and my family are here, but also these random 49er fans around us were all celebrating because this is, you know, so exciting about what happened. So they're tied 13 to 13. All they got to do is kick the extra point. Everybody goes home happy. Can you guess what happens? He misses. Oh, joy, sorrow, right? Boom, boom. But for Aaron, this was a wonderful thing because I felt that the Lord had blessed me indeed. Because that means I got extra 49er football to watch. So overtime happened. 14 minutes and 59 seconds. One second left on the clock. I got to watch a whole extra quarter of 49er football. Most of the fans had left because they were reasonable and knew it didn't matter what happened. But not me, all right? And not a few people that were gathered around us. We were loyal and faithful. We were going to be there till the end. And so with one second left on the clock, the same kicker who missed the extra point earlier kicked the game-winning field goal. And we celebrated like they had won an important game. I mean, I'm high-fiving strangers, right? Because that's what we do. You celebrate. There's something special that happens when you celebrate together. And so for us as Christians, we have something even better to celebrate The fact that Jesus is Lord and Jesus has died and is risen from the dead and he lives with us. It is a cause for celebration. And so every Sunday we have this ritual of celebration, this time in which we come together and we get to believe and sing and dance the fact that Jesus is good and that Jesus is God and that Jesus is risen and we have this celebration. Now like a lot of you all, Worship hasn't been the same the past 18 months. We, we've had, we haven't had the sanctuary full like we would love it to be. Just like some of your family gatherings weren't able to meet, some of our family isn't able to be here. And I've missed that time of being able to worship and to celebrate as a full family of God. Because I think it matters. Why are we so down sometimes in this world? It's because we haven't come Sunday morning to receive the goodness of God to center ourselves on Jesus instead of centering ourselves on whatever our device shows us. And so what I want us to do today is as I look around this room, there's people who I'd love to see here. And so I'm going to invite you to get out your phone, and I want you to text somebody that you're missing right now, worshiping with you. If you don't know what to say, then here's what I invite you to say. I love it when we worship together. And I miss worshiping with you today. I love it when we worship together. And I miss worshiping with you today. And so Ruben's going to come and he's going to play a little texting music. So get your phones out. All right. This is texting music, by the way. And text somebody that you'd love to see, that you miss. It could be somebody who's not here this Sunday. It could be somebody you haven't worshiped with in years. You just want to tell them that, just the importance of celebrating. Who is it that you want to see and be with? We'll give you just a little bit of time to do that.
can keep texting if you need to. Um, I don't know, but next time I get on my phone, I'm just going to hear that little melody from Reuben. And just be like, ah, yes, there we go. All right, Reuben, can you just follow me around sometimes and be like, ooh, this is texting music. It would be cool to have our own soundtrack, right? Of like, ooh, texting music. And um, now I have the, you know, like looming, my kids are in trouble music, right? Whatever it might be. Uh, all sorts of different stuff. You know, I really believe that this time matters. I really believe that when we gather together, it matters. Our genuine joy is a magnet that helps attract people to Jesus. People don't want to be around people who are just downcast all the time. They want to be, they need the joy that only Jesus can provide. And so whenever we have a worship service, we believe it should be a time of joy and celebration. Worship is our obedient response to who God is and what God has done. And our, our worship will look differently. For some people, that means we raise our hands because that's how we worship. All right? For others of us, we've been trained that worship looks like hands firmly planted at your sides, right? I went at my previous church. There was a family that attended for a while. They had some, some girls who would sit on the front row, and they would dance the whole time. Lost in wonder, love, and praise. See, when we worship so often, we, we feel like constrained, but really God wants us to just be joyful and to live and to be present and to be among people, to come and celebrate and receive the goodness of God, the love he has, and the joy that we have. Our joy is the magnet that brings people to Jesus. What would it look like if people looked at us and said, there's something different about you I want to be around? people like you. When people come to this church, that place was full of life and joy. When I came to worship, I felt the presence of God through one another. There was a party and a feast that happens. Now, I am not much of a party planner. I'm terrible at it. Thankfully, I married somebody who's great at it. All right, and here's what I've learned about parties and, and feast is that somebody's got to do the work so that the party can happen. Somebody has to do the preparation work so that the feast can occur. These meals don't just cook themselves, right? Somebody spends the time cooking. All right, even if it's Chick-fil-A, right, that cooks for us, somebody prepares for it, right? Not on Sundays, though. Never on Sundays. Somebody prepares so that you can party. When your family gathers at the family reunion, there are people that worked hard just so we can just sit and be. When your kids have a birthday party, somebody worked hard so that you can celebrate, enjoy, and be. And here's the good news, is that Jesus has prepared. He has done the work. He has prepared. He has suffered. He was crucified, died, and risen so that we can come and celebrate eternal life. He has come that we may have life and have it abundantly so that we can party and we can celebrate and we can feast together. You feast is what Jesus said in our scripture today. Can that be us as people? Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, 
please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.